Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on, family? Welcome to AP and Toya Podcast. As you can see, it's just AP right now. My wife is going to lead another conversation, but with all the stuff happening in the world today, I decided to get some of my my good friends, the fellas, uh, to be a part of this uh, podcast on today. With everything happening in society, um, I thought it'd be great to, well, we thought it'd be great to to get the reaction of how the men are feeling. And also my wife is going to lead a panel on how women are feeling uh, during this time. And so I decided to bring in a couple of my bros, some people I've been hanging out with for a long time. I respect these brothers. I love these brothers. And um, they are important to me. So without any further ado, I got to introduce my boy Ish. Ish, say what's up to the people. What's going on, y'all? I've known Ish for, well, like, how long has it been? Ish? 2003. Been yeah, 2003. So it's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So um, I am. He's one of my good friends. I respect him as a man. I respect his opinion. I respect just the the uh, the father that he is, the husband that he is. So I wanted to have his perspective because he's been going back and forth on social media, just dropping bombs on social media, and yes, um, getting people in trouble. Um, but uh, I wanted to bring him on the show um, just to get his perspectives on, on some things. And I brought my bro Shoggy to the podcast. Shoggy, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Shoggy is also a good friend of mine. I probably known Shoggy for about 13, 14 years, I think it's been. Um, like that. And, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time, man. And I respect these brothers to death. They're both fathers. Uh, they're both educators in their homes. Uh, they're great, great husbands. And so I just really appreciate them being on the podcast because we want to be able to give our narrative uh, about what's going on. Plus, also, they're, they're men of God, too. They're Christians. And so I respect them as as uh, the men that they are. So we'll get right into this thing, man. This is a lot going on. Of course, we right now, as we speak, there are protests going on. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, hurt people. Um with the, of course, with the the murder of George Floyd, everybody has has seen the the video and seen the footage, and it's just been something that is it's something that I know I it's gonna take a little while for me to get over just to see it because we we've all dealt with uh, you know racial profiling or this or that, but this woke up America in a different way because it was being filmed by multiple people and people got an opportunity to see just some of the evil that is out there in the world because the people didn't even care they were being filmed. They were just like, it is what it is. And so, um, you know, my first, first question um, is, what was your reaction to to seeing the video uh, of what happened to uh, George Floyd? Ish, I'm going to go to you first. Um, so I had I had kind of like two reactions. Um, my first reaction was like, dag, again? Right. And um, within that reaction was kind of a numbness, if I could say that. You know, I've been seeing a lot of people say, you know, post things like, if you watch this video and it um, didn't affect your heart, something's wrong with you. And um, I had to think about that because, like, when I first saw it, I was numb. Like, it didn't, it didn't move me the way it did when I went back and examined it. And it had, that has a lot to do with my own experiences and having to have seen this so many times. Maybe not a death, but definitely the brutality of it all so many times that it has just kind of made me know whenever I see this going on, it's just like, dang, again, yeah. you know? So that was kind of my initial response. Yeah. Sean, what about you? Yeah, when I saw it, it was, um, I was shocked. 
So, um, but then I saw it for, I think for a short time. And then I went back and I looked at it again. And then, you know, just to hear the man talk about mama calling his mom out. Yeah. That's when I, you know, I don't know, words can't describe how I felt because I was filled with rage and anger. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, and I'm thinking about all the scenarios. What would I do if I was in that position? You know what I'm saying? The guy who's holding the camera talking about, hey, my man can't breathe. You know, all of that going on. So all you can do is just kind of, I'm just running through the scenarios thinking, what would I do? But I was just filled with anger and I needed to take a moment. I couldn't talk to anybody. You know, I went, I went to work. I had to just take my, just take a time, just sit back and just like, I, I can't talk to anybody right now because I cannot believe it's 2020 and this is still going on in our society. So, you know, I, I, it was just beyond me. I mean, worse cannot describe what that man had to go through. You know, I mean, his final breath. I mean, you know, I can't breathe. That That's, that's, that's a huge statement. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, I, t I took a step back and, you know, I just couldn't talk to anybody for a minute, just filled with rage and anger and frustration. You know, it took about a day before I started talking to my friends about, we got to do something about this, this ain't right. You know, when does this stop? You know, so that's how I felt when I saw it first time. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much on the same wave as you guys, man. It was something to where I saw a clip of it. I'm like, dang, man, I can't believe this is happening all over again. You think about all the other murders that happened and, um, you know, um, 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 Eric Garner and um, you think about uh, Mike Brown and everybody who just you, you almost become numb to it like you said ish but it's just like dang but when I went back and I actually watched the whole nine minute video whatever it was I was like yo they really like it's, this is bad like this this is something like we've never seen something like this before we've we've seen lynchings and, and pictures of lynchings and stuff like that but they really had no regard for this man's life and so it really got to a point where I was just like, wow, this 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 is something. This is going to cause a reaction. And so, um, but Shaw, you actually brought up something. Um, and this is just our humanity. And, and as black men, um, it's hard to stand by and watch some of that stuff. You know what I mean? So a, a lot of people put, uh, would say it on Facebook, man, if I was there, I would have did this. If I was there, I would have did this. I would have risked my life. What do you do in that instance when something like that is happening? You know what I mean? What, what I mean? We're all fathers. We have we all married here. What what could we possibly have done in that situation? And uh, Ish, I start with you. Um, or what would you have done? Uh, I I, I guess it's kind of like Shoggy says. You go through these all of these different scenarios in your head, mm -hmm. right? And um, in viewing it in totality, you get filled with rage, especially as a black man having had your own experiences. Um, you get filled with rage all over again. It's almost like it's a trigger, right, for trauma yep. that you have. PTSD, and, um, man. Huh? Uh, PTSD. Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> for real. And, um, you know, I think, like, I, I, I did the same thing. Like, I went through my head so many times, and I'm like, yo, like, I, I, what would I have done in that scenario? And the truth of the matter is, is you don't know what you would do until you're in yeah, that scenario. Yeah. That's just the truth of the matter. I, I'll yeah. share with you um, real quick. I had a, I had a situation with um, an officer in Newark um, back in maybe, I want to say 2013, maybe about 2013, 2012, where I was dropping Didi off to her mom. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I turned, I made a right turn on a no turn on red. And um, a cop pulled me over. And he asked for my papers, gave him my papers, Came back, told me why he pulled me over. So I'm thinking this is going to be a routine stop. I'm going to get a ticket and be about my business. Right. But he asked me to step out the car so he could search the car. And in that moment, I'm like, 
nah, I'm not getting out the car. You pulled me over for a legal turn. I did make an illegal turn. Just give me my ticket. Yeah. And so I told him no. So he was like, well, what are you hiding? I said, I'm not hiding anything. I said, my daughter's in the car with me and she lives down the street. I'm just dropping her off home. Right. That's it. So he's like, well, I need to search the car. I said, well, look, let me let her go in the house. And then if you got to search the car, because now I'm trying to keep it from escalating because he's getting agitated. And he didn't want me to let her go in the house because he said, maybe I'm giving her something to take in the house. And so wow. I have all of these scenarios in this moment going through my head because he's he's getting loud and aggressive and i'm sitting there and then my daughter i starts to well up and from that moment i go from survival mode to protection mode right in that moment because now my daughter is her innocence is being stolen in this moment she's having to experience something that she knows nothing about i'm familiar with it but she knows nothing about and he's not being sensitive to that so i'm, I'm sharing that to say like in those moments you don't know how you're going to react because in the beginning, I'm trying to keep the peace. I just want to get my daughter in the house. I want to. I just want. I want to go home. You know, I don't want no problems. But then, when when I felt my when I felt like my daughter, her innocence was being threatened, I went into flight or fight mode, yeah. and I I just I chose fight. You know, and so me and him argued, and you know he threatened my life, and I threatened his, and it just so happened that a captain showed up and reprimanded him in that moment and and calmed the situation down, but. The point is, it's like you don't know until you're in the moment and what that energy takes over you. And sometimes it's flight, sometimes it's fight, but you don't know until you're in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Shoggy, what what is your uh, response when you see something like that? What, what I know it's hard to put yourself in that situation, but if you see something like that happening to, you know, um, what would be your initial reaction of, of how you would react being one of those people in the audience actually viewing that 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 happen? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, you really don't know what you're going to do. But I mean, in a, in, in a scenario like that, uh, the obvious reaction is to just approach the officer, get closer and closer. But well, I think we all know once they pull a gun, it's a whole nother story. Then the fear comes in. All right, you got some, you know, that can harm me or, hurt my, he, uh, you know, do something to me. So then you back off. But absolutely, I think that the thing I would have done was just straight up approach the officer. The officer, you can't do that. You know, you, you saw the people doing the same thing and the other guy kept saying, back off, back off. But I think you got to do it till they pull a gun because, because I mean, it, it, that's that's a man's life that's being yeah. taken. And the fact that, like, I mean, I'm not trying to be redundant here, but when you go back and for eight, nine minutes, right. hearing somebody say, I can't breathe, something's got to be done, you know? And I'm thinking, did somebody call 911? Did the police officers are being, I mean, abusing something? I mean, somebody should have did something. I don't know what happened. But, you know, with everything I got, my ultimate response will be just start approaching the police officer and say, hey, officer, there's nothing this man has done. You know, there's no yeah. reason. He's in handcuffs. I mean, what, what more he does he nowhere. have to do? He ain't going nowhere. He's on the ground. You got four, three people on him. Think about it. So I think that's what I, I definitely would have done. But like, you know, I think like it's that you never know what you're going to do. But I mean, just to play it all in my head, I'd have tried to approach a police officer, please. I mean, let the man go. You know, all you got at that point is your voice. And if that's not working, you just start approaching police officer. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't pull a gun on you because then you might be a victim too. Right. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That, that's the scary part about it is that you being a victim too. So the last thing you want to see is to witness somebody being, being, 
killed. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you also don't want to be the person in that situation to where now your life is in danger as well. Because, you know, you had a lot of people on Facebook, I would have did this. I would have jumped on the cop. Come on, bro. I mean, maybe some of y'all would have, but it's something to think about as well. Um, and but, but the scary part about that is, too, you could they, they were all way too calm to mm-hmm. be killing this man. And so that, that made me think to myself, they must really have been doing some stuff and not like I, I just think about it and I always think about some training day type stuff. You know what I mean? Like like they must have been they've been so they were so comfortable killing this man, especially the Asian officer. He was just like, I don't care. Like it, it, like step back. Like just the fact that that you know they had no remorse to it and then just walked off like nothing happened. Like it is what it is. You know what I mean? And so um, but then especially when other angles came out where they actually were beating him up in the car as an Asian cop was looking out again, you know, because the other cop was in the car hitting him and the other Asian cop was looking, looking, you know, looking out. And so, um, it's just, it's, it's craziness, man. And, and um, yeah. yeah, I think the shock of just everything, man, is just something that it took me a while to really, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep for, for a couple of days, man. I just was really out of it. Like I can honestly say my family suffered for, mm-hmm. A couple of days because I just got mad all over again, yo. I just got mad and I couldn't, I couldn't stop seeing the images and thinking about what this man could have been going through or what did he do that would warrant all of this, you know, all of this uh, uh, attention to him. You know what I mean? I'm like, he must have had a gun or something. They say he had a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. I'm like, y'all gonna kill this man for a twenty dollar bill? Like, yeah. like you know. So it's just that just shows it's just some uh, a disconnect with the police force in Minneapolis and the fact that somebody that. Well, maybe I, mean, I shouldn't even say that. I was going to say the fact that people felt so uh, angered about it, they actually blew up the police station. It must have been a, a, a series of events that happened in, Minnesota, in, in Minneapolis, man, um, just to lead to that. But um, before I even go any further, man, how are you guys actually holding up with everything that's happening? Because um, not only are we dealing with this stuff, we're also dealing with a pandemic still. <laughs> and so how have you guys been holding up um, during this whole time of quarantine? We've been in quarantine for a couple of months now. And uh, now we have to deal with this stuff. Um, how how have you guys been? How have your family's um, been during this time? Shaw, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I, I think we're doing the best we can. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we got this COVID-19 going on. And, you know, everybody's around. And a lot of times when things like that happen, you know, you go to work, you know, you talk to somebody. It just kind of gets it off your mind a little bit. But we ain't got nowhere to go, so we get to sit and watch it over and over and oh, over again. Yeah. And then here comes the rage, and I got my kids now talking to me about well, what's going to happen, Daddy. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's not normal, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and the fact that I got to talk to my 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 nine year old daughter and my seven year old daughter about you know, it, you know, injustice in America is crazy. You know, it's taking away the innocence. I mean, she's just a little girl. I mean, they're on FaceTime, talking to their friends, black, white, Indian, all of that. But not knowing down the line, as they get older, segregation is real. Injustice is real. You know, so to have this conversation at nine years old, it's just robbing this little girl of her innocence, just being a girl and just want to enjoy life. But I had to have this conversation with her because it's all over. I mean, she's on her iPad doing her homework, and it's popping up news, breaking news. It's, It's everywhere, so you can't avoid it. So it's it, it's been hard, you know, um, and not being able to go out and just kind of, I mean, we do go out, but, you know, it's, you know, you got to be mindful where you're going and whatnot. But, it, you know, we're just taking it day by day. But, you know, I'm taking this opportunity to really talk to my girls about, you know, the type of community that we live in. And you got to say something, you know, stand up for what you believe in. 
but also understand that even though we're not being, you know, treated equally in society sometimes, you always got to hold your head up. You know what I'm saying? Don't compromise. Don't don't feel like you got to yield to somebody because of everything that's going on. Be who you are and represent Christ in everything that you do. But, you know, we just, we've been talking and I, I think my girls are getting a lot out of it, but I mean, they can't help, but you've really asked the questions, you know, like, you know, why do certain race do things to certain race? And, you know, why is this like that? You know, why can't we all get along? You know, and the fact that, you know, my wife keeps talking about this as well. You know, I have to go to work every now and then. And the concern is, is daddy going to come back home? Is everything okay? You know, yeah. and, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I got a little tempo on me every now and then, but, you know, I, 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 I made a promise to my girls. You know, when I get pulled over, I mean, I'm always going to comply, but you never know. Sometimes even when you do the right thing, you know, the results are still bad. So, um, I, you know, I just got this mindset of just, you know, just, you know, go by your business. I think it is, it's not fair, but, you know, that's the society that we live in, that you, you got to be more than perfect, you know, to survive, you know, in this community. And, uh, you know, that's what we've been talking about at home. And, you know, my wife is all on board and we keep saying we got to do more. So talking about it is not enough. What are you going to do to make sure that your voice is being heard? So I told my girls, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be doing some of the protests, you know, the riots that's going on. We're going to be part of it. But we're going to bring some... Y'all rioting too? Hey. <laughs> say, we're just going to leave that for another conversation. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said we participate in the riots, baby. We're going to get you some, uh, some toys. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do say to say it's real. And these are things we're talking about. Um, you know, let your voice be heard. And it's not just that take the opportunity to really educate these people. I mean, I'm talking to my bosses, we're having conversations that normally I just shy away from. You know, I went to work the other day and my boss talking about, hey, I'm trying to invite you to come to my yacht to get on my boat so we can, I'm like, nah, bro, this is not the time. Don't you see what's going on? Right. You know what I'm saying? But you know, they feel uncomfortable, but you gotta make sure they're talking about it. Cause yeah. for anything to change, they gotta be part of it. They are the, uh, the minority. So if they're not gonna change, we're gonna be talking about this over and over and over again. So I think as men, as you know, as people of our community and as black men, we gotta go out there and make sure we're making make sure our voice is being heard and we're talking to people about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, before I get to, to Ish, um, Sean, you just brought up a good question because you're you're an engineer, and I, I think you're the are you the only black engineer in your in your um, where you are? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> and um, and um, yeah, it's 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 different. And um, I, I I keep telling my we've had this conversation. Like I said, when I went in, I had to have a conversation about it. You know, I, guys, you don't understand what's at least what it means to be a black man or a person of color in this community, in this society, in America. So I've taken the opportunity to talk about it, but it hasn't been easy. Uh, they're trying to avoid a conversation. You know, every time you bring it up, well, you know, this I think Aaron, I was talking to you about the other time. I brought it up and they were trying to compare racism to what the Jewish people went through. And I'm like, bro, I understand that's not right either. But don't try to say just because the Jewish people just bounce back and everything's okay, the black people should go ahead and just bounce back. What you forget is about equity, position, so many things to take right. in place that you don't know anything about or you refuse to address. You know, and, and I think, uh, you know, um, I heard somebody say this a long time ago, but I think it's uh, Trevor Noah. 
you know, America owes black people a conversation. They got to sit and have a conversation about that, you know, to be robbed of who you are and not to be given anything to build on and then being discriminated upon. It, it's, you're going against the norm. You're going against the grain. It's so difficult to be a black man in this society. You know, I started talking to my friends, you know, my coworkers, they all know where I stand. We got to have these conversations. So that's good. That's good. So, so Ish, Ish, how how have you been doing during this whole time, bro, with the quarantine and um, you know, just dealing with? Have you had those conversations with your daughters? It's kind of funny. I I, I got I have both you guys here, and both you guys have daughters. So <laughs> just y'all, what do you call them, girl dads? Y'all y'all both girl dads. So, but yeah, how, how have you dealt with it? It's um, it's difficult. That is, it's been difficult. Um, the energy in my house has been weird. Um, again, like I said, this is triggers, right? You know, um, I think one of the major things that all black households have is this deep well of trauma that we've kind of mm. learned to just function through because it's our reality. It's just what it wow. is. It's what we've been dealing with from the moment we pop out our moms. There's this, this trauma that's all around us is suffocating and we just learn to function. But then there's these moments like this that become triggers for us. And um, like Shoggy said, we home and we have, no, we have no, no choice but to see it because it's in our face. And yeah. so we don't get a break from it. We don't get a break from it. And so we're having to live in that space. Um, what I, there's, it's funny enough, I'm kind of glad that we're home um, because... Much like Shoggy, so when my wife works at, she works um, as an executive ex assistant for a company full of engineers. And um, their faces, her face is few and far between. I think there's only maybe two other people of color in her, um, in her uh, group. I, I'm, 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 I think that's what it is. And um, I know that she deals heavily with the situation of never um, being able to have the conversation or when things are going on that are impacting us and we're dealing with the trauma, they like to dance around it. They like to point out the other issues and never want to talk about what's really going on. And so she has to still maintain herself and still be, and still be presented as docile and peaceful so that they're comfortable. Yeah. And, and over the years that things has happened, the Sandra Blands, the Tamir Rices, the uh, Philandos, the... Yeah the mics, the, the Trayvons, mm. so on and so forth. Over the years, she's had to go in and still function mm. and, and, and still be the peaceful. Cause you know, our black sisters, they get, they get told, they get coined as, as the angry black female when they express themselves. Right. So she right. can't express herself. She has to go on and tap dance so that they are comfortable though. She's the one dealing with trauma. And um, the same thing with my kids, because the, the, the township that we live in is predominantly white. So even in those, those situations, they have to go to school and pretend to not be traumatized in order to be accepted, in order to be allowed to exist in those moments. Wow. And so we're home having, having a space together to deal with it. And um, I'm really big on forcing conversation because one of the things that we don't do in um black communities is talk about our trauma and and talk like just talk it out and so i'm I'm real big in my house with creating space to talk 
Let's talk about this. And so that's that I think more than anything has been what's been helping us get through. Um, of course, relying on our faith and, and just really still holding on to that, which I'll be honest, that's, that's been real rough these past couple of weeks. Um, it's been real rough to pray, if I can be honest. But we've, we've been pushing and we've been, again, like I said, sorting it out through conversation. How do you feel? What are your thoughts about this? What do you want to do about this? You know, um, we went, we, we, like Shoggy said, we, we participated in some protests. They're going to be protesting around here um, this Saturday. We're going to participate in that. We're going to make sure our voices are heard. But I think the biggest thing that has been a help for us is being able to just talk about it amongst us and not having to go somewhere else and pretend that it's not happening. Right. That's, that's, that's good, man. That's, that's one thing um, my wife and I are trying to see, how do we talk to our children about it? Because our daughters, um, they're young, um, but so they don't, they don't know everything that's going on right now. They they all video games and Roblox, and they 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 not really on social media, so they're uh, kind of oblivious to what's going on. They hear the conversations that me and my wife are having and how upset we are, but they really don't know the extent of everything that's going on. And so, you know, and even um, you know, I talked to my son uh, about it, and he said that he found out about it from one of his friends, and so that that's how he found out about it. And so well, I asked him, "Did you see the video?" He said, "No." And I, so then I was thinking to myself, do I show my son this video? You know what I mean? Like I, I thought about it, or do I continue to shield him but still have the conversation? You know what I mean? And so that's still something, I'm, I'm not even going to lie, that's something I'm still struggling with right now because he has to know the reality of what's going on um, in the world, especially now because I, my son, he's, he's going to be 14 this year, but he's already about 5'9", and he loves wearing his hoodie. And so I literally have to snatch his hoodie off of his head in public and he'll be like, Dad, like my, my, my ears are cold. I'm like, yo, take your hoodie off. We, we walking into this Wawa. Me and you both tall, and we coming out of our car, and we walking into this Wawa. People turn around looking at us thinking we about to rob them. You know what I mean? Like, so, I, so I always try and keep him aware of his blackness, which is, which is one of the saddest things I have to do is to warn my son about his blackness because um, his skin color could cause him to be dead one day. Just the fact of his skin color, his height, his size, the way he moves, you know, because as, as men, black men, we just move differently, you know what I mean? And so we, we move, we walk differently. And so just his demeanor could get him killed one day. And that breaks my heart, you know what I mean? And so I got to constantly, you know, he's in this bubble of being a preteen and, and he has friends of every ethnicity, but at the end of the day, they still see you as a, a black boy, you know what I mean? A black man now because how how tall you are. And so that's a conversation that, that's, that's, that, um, you know, I have to have with him constantly and being aware of who he is. And um, one, one of the um, the conversations I actually w was having or saw online, um, you know, you guys talking about coworkers. My wife is in the same situation as well because, you know, she, she's an RN, but uh, most of the time she's sometimes the only black person on the unit. And so some of her coworkers, and which makes the conversation even more difficult, is some of her coworkers are married to, to officers. And so it's kind of a, so it's like, do you have that conversation or you do you not have that conversation? You're the only black person here. Do you go ahead and raise the, these, because they're, they're not understanding at all. They're like, you know, so, so, you know, my wife's hearing comments are like, what do they want? Like, what do they really want? 
So you have the you so you have the responsibility, but like what we want, we just want to be treated equally. Like what, like what are you talking? We want to not die, you know what I mean? And so we, we want to you know we want to just be looked at as human beings and not and, and not uh, thugs as the, as the president calls us every time he he mentions black people or um you know or, or murderers or rapists. So we don't we we just want to be left alone type you know type stuff. But is it is it your you know is it your position to actually? hold that mantle and so now you know my wife is cycling through how do I deal with these conversations now because you know um it's, it's something that's that's, that's that they, they need to be had the conversation need to be had with our children with our co-workers with our friends of different nationalities with these with among each other these conversations need to be had because if not we're all ticking time bombs in this situation man because it's 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 something that is not going to get dealt with by just brushing it under the rug you know what I mean right and right. so um so we, we talked about some of the stuff that you guys have, um, well, if you give an instance of, of dealing with racism or dealing with, it's not just with cops, it's just with people that just see black people with, they, they know, only thing they know about black people is the stereotypes, you know what I mean? And, and the fear, and the fear of what, what black people represent. Um, Shoggy, have you ever dealt with any racism that, that affects you to this day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I ain't gonna lie, I think... <laughs> One of the uh, recently, you know, with COVID nineteen, last incident, uh, you know, I went to Costco, and you know, we got a long line, and I finally had a chance to go in, and they got signs everywhere. I went for toilet paper, and then I had to go to the free, uh, the, uh, the 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 section to get my eggs and uh, milk or whatnot. But there's a big sign on it that say you're not allowed, you're not supposed to bring your cart in there, so. I saw it late, so I had to cart right at the end, at the beginning of where the entrance was. So I think one of the guys came by and said, hey, um, whose cart is this? Because I'm in there getting my stuff. That's why a lady turned around and then pointed at me. She didn't see me. Well, well, she didn't see me looking at her. And then the guy who asked the question came back and said, sir, is this yours? And I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's mine. I'm, I'm going to move it. I said, technically, I'm not inside. I left it out. And as soon as I turned around, the lady goes, well, you know, baby, why did you, because she said, why did you ask me about it? Referring to her saying, you should never ask me. Now, as a white woman, you know, I know better. He doesn't know better. Just said it out loud like that. Wow. So then, yeah, so um, I turned around, look at the guy who was, you know, the attendant or whatever the guy's name was. And he looked at me and noticed what the lady said was very wrong and inappropriate because now I'm living. Even if I was wrong, you don't get to talk about me like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? To say that I don't know better. And all I can think of, listen, man, you're a 5'5", five five, a white woman. That's what I call privilege. Just to say whatever <laughs> you want to say and walk away. I understand as a country, listen, freedom of speech, you can say whatever. But you got to be mindful of what you say. So the fact that she had the nerve and thought she had the right to tell me that I didn't know better, knowing that I can't really do anything physically to harm her, was something that really rubbed me up the wrong way. I'm like, you don't understand this. Initially, I started walking towards her, and I'm a man, I'm a man, and I said, God help me. I don't want to get in no trouble. This is Wayne. The shoggy back off. You know, your <laughs> wife didn't talk to you so many times about this. You know better. You know, it's, it's an indictment being a black man in our community. Yeah. So when you think about that, a lot of times you just got to, you know, be a bigger person. All the time, the expectation of being perfect and taking mm. on and on is something that they expect us to do because they know they got it. That's how the system has been designed. The system is not broken. 
the system is doing its job to suppress people of color. And that's what's going on. So, um, yeah, I, I just came back in my car and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, I can't believe this just happened. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I got stories, but this was just a recent one I faced, which is about two and a half weeks ago, you know? Which the, the, the scary thing is, like you said, Sean, I mean, you, you're what, 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, yeah, I'm, I'm six three and a half, man. I'm almost two fifty. <laughs> I mean, think about it. She was like five five. <laughs> you, now, you were already they 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 would dug up anything you ever did in your past, <laughs> man. They, 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 I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you. <laughs> they be like he stole bubble gum. Oh, he did, he did. <laughs> everything, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 and, and I feel like we're the only people that have to uh, dial back who we are in order to make sure that we're not uh, offending anybody, which is crazy to me. I, I don't, I don't, I never understand that how we have to almost, when we go in public, we have to remind ourselves not to cause any type of issues. And I feel like we're the only people that really have to worry about that. I don't think any other nationality goes through that because you don't want to be seen as some type of uh, troublemaker because your black skin, again, is a threat to other people. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. That, that, that's so crazy to me, man. Like, that's, ah, that's, that's one thing I struggle with because. I'm not as calm sometimes, and and I'm very I'm very quick tempered. Like the match don't take it don't take long for the match to get full full flame, and so I have to almost you know check myself daily because sometimes I, I'll you, you just got to catch yourself because the first thing they're gonna see is a black man yelling at a white lady, and they not not knowing that she was wrong or anything like that. That's the first thing they're gonna see, and so yeah, man. The next thing you know, you a hashtag. You know what I mean? So it's it's crazy. Um, all right, so uh, I think we got to this question. What conversation have you had with your kids? Um, what what has been the... Oh, let's talk about this one. Um, I think we got to this other question. What has been your response to some of your counterparts in different nationalities? Um, what has been your response to the people that have been uh, silent during this time? Now, I'm talking about we all have people that, um, you know, we consider friends and, and, and not even, um, you know, white people of different nationalities, even in the church. We have a lot of people who have been silent during this time. Um, what has been your response to those people that have just kept quiet and not said anything? And they're in a position of leadership. What has been your response to them? Isham, I'll go to you. Uh, I was lit at first. <laughs> I, <ain't gonna laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still, I still have that same feeling, right? You know, the the good thing about um having the Holy Spirit is that um you can receive rebuke. And, 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 and let me, let me qualify that. Cause I'm not necessarily saying like, um, like something that I was saying was wrong or whatever. I think everything that I was saying that I've said over these past, this past week or so have been just and, um, been right. But I do think also, um, you know, when you, with the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit to uh, take you back to review some things and see how you probably could have done better mm-hmm. and show you where you could show mercy. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, um, I've 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 still been hard on leadership. Um, I feel that leadership has a responsibility. Um, in moments like this, like nobody else. Yeah. Um, it is it's easy to lead people when everything is going good. Right. You have mm-hmm. to step up twice as fast when things are going bad, and we have seen a failure to launch in that um that department when it comes to um, our leaders. And that's not just, that's not just the church. That's our local leaders. That's yeah. grandmama in them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's the gang members because whether we like it or not, they're, they're leaders too. Mm-hmm. They lead a community. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, in moments like this, when 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 the 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 the, the soul in you calls to stand up and and be who you're supposed to be, and you shrink back, I think that that's 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 terrible. I think that that's um, an indictment on them, and I think that if we're going to do anything and get anywhere, we we have to be um, voices of rebuke and check for one another. You know what I'm saying? Um, but on the flip side of that, also, I had to come to realize um, that we got to know what people, what people's roles are, right? Because if you, if you get caught up in this whole thing where, like, let's just say, like, take me, for instance, I, I, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to go. I'm, y'all protesting? Where? I'm there. You know, that's me. I'm gonna I'm get on live if I have to. I'm gonna say what I need to say. I'm not gonna have no regard for it. For if you if you sensitive or not, I'm gonna say what needs to be said. But that's me. But I can't be mad at at Aaron if Aaron's more reserved. Maybe Aaron's not a protest person. Maybe Aaron is the the person that write the check for the people who got locked up for protesting. I gotta know I gotta know Aaron's role, and I can't hold Aaron accountable for not doing things the way that I think he should do things. And I think that um we got to be sensitive in that regard know the difference between people who just being silent because they don't care or don't want to see as opposed to the people who may just approach things different from you mm-hmm. but i think for those that um that have a responsibility to be forward like our pastors like our community leaders you have a responsibility that you don't get to put down you have to you have to be vocal you have to be present and you have to be held accountable when you're not. And um, I, I still feel that way. I stand by that. I'm going to stand by that forever. And um, But in grace and in mercy, you know. And it, it took me a couple of days to really get to a place where it was just like, yo, you got to be sensitive to, to some people because everybody's not you. Everybody's not responding the way you do. Everybody may not be quick to draw. Some people need time to process. What, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? I don't want to just be doing something because I'm angry. Let me sort this out. You know, you got to give people space to, to figure out where they fit, who they are, what they do, you know? So that's how, that's how I've been looking at it. But again, like I said, I, I, I still feel like we got to hold people accountable. And that goes for, that goes for our white counterparts as well. Um, you know, I have, I have some white friends to this day that, are, that text me every day. You know, how you doing? I love you. I got you. They ain't post nothing yet. They ain't said nothing yet. And um, again, there comes in that moment where it's like, well, do I hold them to my standard? That's my standard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I gotta, I have to be sensitive to that. And I know that that's not a popular thought, but um, I think for those of us who have the Holy Spirit, we, we have to take that approach. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit um, and operate in grace. Still hold people accountable, but operate in grace and mercy. Sean, what about you, man? How have you how have you dealt with uh, people that are responding in silence? What has been your your uh, response to that? Yeah, before I even actually answer that question, I think Ish, uh, you do bring up a really really good point, and I understand what you're saying about you know that whole raw emotions and why people can just sit back and not respond. I mean, what has happened is so traumatic. Um, I mean, yeah, you might need some time to process it, and that's what we all got to learn to appreciate and understand that we're all different, do things differently. So uh, thank you for saying that because 
I just get mad. I'm like, yo, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I, what time do you need? Right. What you gonna <laughs> right. Come on. It right. ain't going to change. Murder's murder. So come on. Let's get at it. But I, I mean, because I do have friends that I'm surprised they ain't saying nothing. Right. You know, and um, yeah, so, uh, you know, in, in the area, the way I've been dealing with it is, especially with my coworkers, is one, I've been trying to hold them accountable. Now, they might not talk about it, but I've been finding ways to just really interject the conversation in. How you doing? Well, I'm struggling a little bit, I'll tell you. It's hard to be a black man right now. <laughs> so then they try to avoid a conversation, but you can't let them off the hook. Right. You got to feel uncomfortable, just I am, but I don't push it too much because you have a lot of people that are just ignorant, just don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, But you got to find a way to interject that in a conversation to let them know if you don't want to address it, at least I want you to know that this is how I feel at this point in time. Right. So before you go ahead and start talking to me about the cars you got and how great life is and all of that stuff, understand these are the things that I'm dealing with on a regular basis. Right. So now whether you choose to address it or not, that's on you. But at least I've made my point clear that this is something that is bothering me and this is something that has to be addressed. Um, it's, again, I do agree with you 100%. You know, I think our leaders have failed us. A lot of them, some people have stepped up to address it, but a lot of people are still being very, very quiet. Right. You know, if you've been called to leadership, it is, I mean, you cannot take a step back. That's what you've been called to do. Right. The function and responsibility of the leader is to lead, not just when things are good, Right. But when things go bad, that's when you got to take the be upfront and just tell people how to get people together. How do we have these conversations? Right. Even when emotions are high and stakes are high, this is when you got to find the skills to bring people together right. to really address the issues that are going on. But a lot of us and a lot of leaders are taking a step back thinking, well, you know, I need some time to process or, you know, I love TDJs. I mean, that's my guy. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people had to ask him, what took you so long to respond? You know, but it also goes back to what Ish said. A lot of people process things differently. But I believe as a leader, evil is evil. We got to condemn it. We got to talk about it. And I do also do agree about just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Because sometimes you just got to take a step back and just, you know, let things play out. If it's God's will, I mean, he's going to lay it out and you're going to go in and your voice is going to be heard. But um, but I, again, the emotions are raw, you know, yeah. the anger is real, and but we still got to apply wisdom and deal with this as well, you know. So um, yeah, I, you know, that, that's that's you know that's how I feel. I, I, you know, there are people that are doing what they got to do, but I think there's still more to be done. So quite frankly, in my community, you know, I thank my pastor for standing up on Sunday and really addressing the issue. But then I also know some white pastors who are just you know. Going ahead and talking about prosperity. Right. You know, what, what What good is prosperity when I don't feel like I belong here? Right. You know what I'm right. saying? So those are the things that are not being talked about. And that, frankly, just, you know, annoys me. And um, what, what can you do? You just got to keep pushing. You got to, you know, every time you get a chance, just bring it up. And that's what I've been doing. You know, right. um, I was talking to my director, um, you know, and he was asking me, I mean, he lives in D.C. He brought, I mean, he says something about a job. I mean, I saw the great opportunity to say, man, this, you know, with everything that's going on, me and my family really going through a lot, I had to bring it up. And I also said, what is my company going to do to make sure we're really addressing these things? I don't think he saw it coming, but I had to lay it out on him to let him know that's good, these Sean. are things I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So and he said, I totally agree with you. And it's something we got to do. So, I mean, I think if we start having a conversation, you know, some people are going to come to our aid and help. 
but at least we're making the effort to talk about it, you know? That's good, bro. That's good. Yeah. Um, the, one, the reason why I wanted both you guys on here as well, because I know you guys are men of faith. You guys believe, um, you know, in, in Jesus. And it's hard to find Jesus in these moments. You know what I mean? And so, especially for those that are non-believers, they 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 like, oh, where's your white Jesus now? See, this is the problem. Black people always waiting on this black on this white Jesus to save us, and all this praying don't do nothing. What is our role as Christians, and where does Jesus fit in during this movement? So, um, what's your response to that? I'm gonna start with Ish. I was having a conversation earlier with um, Wardell, and it's funny. Mm -hmm. I found myself resurrecting the phrase that has become so cliche that it's starting to die out and that's what would jesus do <laughs> and um i don't think that jesus is the issue right um the the bible says that well I, i'll start here you know because what i've been seeing a lot of the time a lot during this moment and moments um of times past with stuff like this is that particularly the black church I ain't even going to say particularly the black church. I'm going to say the white church too, but I'm going to say for different reasons. I think um, the black church, the black church diverts to prayer and God, let God handle it. Let's pray. Let's trust God. And I think that that has a lot to do with fear, right? Fear of dealing with the things, fear of, of stepping up in your role. I think the white church does it because the white church don't want to address it. They don't want to deal with it. And so we have we have these two sides, which it shouldn't be any black or white church, it's one church, but that's a whole nother conversation. But we have these two sides who represent Christ, who I believe genuinely know him, but there's this thing of sanctification that that draws out, right? It draws out the things that we avail to God. So racism is something that has to be availed. It's not eliminated because you receive Christ. It's something that has to be availed to unveiled to him to be drawn out. Fear doesn't disappear because you get saved. Fear is something that has to be unveiled so that it can be drawn out. And so in these moments, you have, you know, speaking for the black church, this drawback of not being front and center, right? And those of us, because we're Christians, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ as well as be the body of Christ. So knowing those two, those two components, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Because we have a whole four gospels and beyond and before, <laughs> if you mm -hmm. want to be technical, mm -hmm. that explains what would Jesus do in those moments. And so it makes it very easy for a non-believer to say you're white Jesus because they don't have experience with Jesus the way you do. Right. But we don't display it. And it makes it very easy for us to recant and say, I'm just going to pray and wait for the Lord to give me instruction really out of fear because we don't display, we don't be the body and we don't operate in the mind of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It gives us instructions, but we have it. We have an account of how he would handle these situations. We know just from reading from the gospels that Jesus was, was a revolutionary and he was all for supporting the, the those who were marginalized those who were mm -hmm. um who experienced injustice we know that the scripture the scripture has shown us over in time and over in time again that he was he was front and center when he when he would encounter op the oppressors he didn't even give them time to speak he would be on their head right. you know what i'm saying he would be on their head time and time again and so i think that um we've just done a poor job of 
of of standing in our role as believers and and it's it's partly the reason why i was so hard on the pastors more than any other leaders because we have a responsibility to be the body of christ and operate with the mind of christ and the mind of christ it's very simple. You don't need to go in a 40 day fast to know that injustice is wrong. And because you have Jesus in you, you're supposed to stand against it. You pray for instruction of how to move and in, 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 into for strategy, but not whether you should stand against it. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. <laughs> you know, you stand against sin. Nobody has to prompt you to, to, to stand against the sins that you talk about in your pulpit. You do it because you have the mind of Christ and you know that this is not what honors God. So we should take the same position when it comes to that. And that's not just for black, that's for white as well. And if we get out of a place of, of leaning to our own understanding, putting our experiences first, and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I, I just was telling a um, good pastor friend of mine the other day that I find it very difficult to identify as Christian first. I find it difficult. And we, the conversations were centered around him being Christian first, black second. And I said, I find that very difficult in my experience because the world outside at large identifies me as black before mm-hmm. anything. Right. Before they know I'm Christian, before they know that I'm gainfully employed, before they know that I'm married to the same woman, been with her for 20 years, before they know that I got three daughters, one that's grad- that graduated college, one going to college, before they know anything about me, I'm black. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very hard for me to identify as anything else first because I'm always on the defense, but I have the mind of Christ. And so I have to combat those thoughts and I have to think strategically, but not passively, not from a standpoint of, I'm just going to stand back and pray. No, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get up and I'm going to put my armor on and I'm going to get out here and I'm going to do my part because I'm the hands and feet of God. And if I'm not moving, if I'm not active, then he doesn't, he doesn't accomplish what he set out to do because he uses me to accomplish it. And so I feel like that's, that's where we, um, where we fail at and where we have to become more active at. And again, hold each other accountable for. Sean, what about you, man? That's what I say. I think, uh, you know, we're all pastors, you know what I'm saying? That's what we're called to do, you know? Um, and the fact that you're not standing in the pulpit preaching doesn't mean you're not a pastor. Right. You know, you, you your lifestyle has got to be a testimony read by and seen by men as well. You know, someone might never get a chance to read the Bible. The fact that they see the way you conduct yourself alone is a testimony for them to ask the question, why do you act a certain way? Um, so I, I believe, you know, faith and works got to go hand in hand. And I think what was received from the church, unfortunately, has been more of a reaction more so than a response Mm -hmm. you know what we're getting is all right like it said let's go ahead and pray you know what you've prayed for years now for years you've been praying and the reason it ain't because not the god is not here he's here and he's telling you to move right now you got to get out of yourself and then do i mean that's where faith comes in you know what we want is everything to be presented on a civil plan like oh i see it now i'm going to move no you got to take a step that's what faith is about. Yeah. Believing that you haven't seen it, but yet it's going to manifest in the realm that you're living in. That's what faith is about. So, I mean, I, I but I also understand we're human beings. We right. are human beings. And a lot of times we got to learn to control that emotion, the emotional aspect of who we are. You know what I'm saying? So, but all I'm going to say is it's got to go hand in hand. 
go ahead and do your prayer, which is very important, but you got to take the initiative to actually do what you got to do as well. Mm. You know, we got to, too many people are praying and nothing is happening. God is hearing your prayer and he's telling you what to do. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when, when God showed up and told Aaron he had to go back to Egypt and free the slaves, that he was trying to get all the excuses in the world why he shouldn't do it. Oh, you know, I, I'm a slow talker. I can't know. You know, we're, we're dealing with God. Moses. I <laughs> Moses, right. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. You know, we're talking about God here. So, I mean, I, I totally get it. I understand. But we have to really get out there. Praying is important. I totally believe that. The only thing that's going to happen, the way things are going to change, if we come together as leaders and pray and also do the job, they go hand in hand. Right. You know, you can't do all the job without having the back of the Holy Spirit behind you because that's your agenda. But when you pray and believe and then take that step, and I mean, it's, it's definitely going to work out. God has got a plan and he set things in motion. And we have to make sure we're being used as vessels to make sure we're taking care of this current issue that's going on. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's in scripture. You know, when things like, like it said, you know, God is always at the forefront of things, addressing it, of course, in a loving way. You know, and that's what we got to do. But we can't be being silent, just being complacent. We can't do that. We got to step up and do what we've been called to do. And in this case, is represent Christ. And to represent Christ is to mean that all men are created equal. So if I have a problem, I will address it and tell people why this is a problem. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you, fellas, man. Um, the 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 issue I've been having throughout this whole thing is actually, like like it said, they see you as a black person first before they see you as a, as a Christian. You know what I mean? And and that's been and that's been my issue. How do I how how am I addressing this as, as a black man? And then again, how am I addressing this as a Christian? And so as a black man. I, you know, I I got my 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 Superman, my my no matter my Superman, I got my Black Panther cape on, and I'm like, I'm like, nah, this is how I feel as a black man. This stuff should not fly. This is this is this is where this is where my energy is right now. Right. But then I also am confronted with, okay, how do I deal with this on a spiritual aspect as well? Because again, people are going to see me as a black man, but they also see me as a Christian, right. and so um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to um downplay what God has been doing in my life because I'm angry right now or, or I'm upset and then people miss the gospel in me because they saw my humanity kind of show. And so it's been it's been real hard for me and it's been hard for me to kind of even communicate with God right now because um, I haven't been praying about it. I, I'm just being 100% transparent. I haven't, I've, I've been, it's been hard to pray because I've just been so angry and so upset and um, trying to stay sane. And usually I, I can pray to stay sane, but during this time, it's like I've I've been replaying scenarios in my head. And again, that 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 black PTSD comes in when you think about all the scenarios that happened to you. When you start to replay those 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 things in your head that happened to you, and man, that really could have been me. Um, it's been hard to pray those things away because it's it's almost it's like you 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 get. You're, you're imagining, you go to that sunken place where you're falling backwards and you just don't know how to function because you're just stuck. And so I've been emotionally stuck and physically drained from this whole thing. And I'm, I've really been trying to find God in this moment. And so me and God are kind of having this back and forth dialogue and I'm really just trying to see where it is. Just being, a, you know, having a transparent moment and seeing, you know, where it is. You were saying something, Ish? No, I said I could dig it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's it's a lot, man. It's a lot, and so I am trying to let my Christianity, um, 
guide me and push me in the right direction. But at the same time, it's like, man, like, when is enough enough, God? You know, me and God can have those conversations. God, like, what's what's good? Like, you know. But you know what? Yeah. What you what you said what you said is key, right? Because I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I was finding it so hard to pray. Like I was just like, yo, I'm not, I'm not trying to pray right now. Like mm-hmm. I want to turn up. Like I, I want to go get some bricks right now. Like, cause y'all don't listen. Y'all, we've been telling y'all Word. this for years, Word. for mm-hmm. years, and y'all don't listen. Y'all turn a deaf ear. Y'all, y'all, y'all deflect over and over. Mm-hmm. What I gotta burn down something for you to hear me? Sure. I ain't want to pray. I ain't want to pray. I think, I think that what started giving me peace, and, and don't get me wrong. Cause I'm still feeling anxiety in this very mm-hmm. moment. I'm still feeling the anxiety of it, but I have to remember that we have a peace that surpasses our understanding, our ability to understand as Christ guides our mind. Right. And so I, I had to remember that and start praying, look, Lord, like, I don't want, I don't want the peace that I used to pray for because of how I was taught in church. That, 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 that peace of just, I don't, I just want to be calm. I don't want to deal with this. No you're allowing me to experience these emotions because I need to stand up. Mm. I need to step up. So give me strategy. Give me, I'm praying for peace within strategy so that I can do something enough of praying, Lord, make it better. Lord, come soon. You know, Mm -hmm. Maranatha. No, (laughs) no. What, what can I do until Maranatha? What can I do until you come? What's my role? What's, what part should I play? And that's been giving me peace. I can honestly say that because, <clears throat> excuse me, I've now been active in doing some things and pulling some resources together and, and using my influence to make some things happen. And, and I feel better now. I feel a little more at peace now. I feel like, okay, I can't do everything. I ain't got no national platform, but I can do my part. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that if we could find that space I think we'll find a little bit of sanity in this. Um, trauma is trauma, and um, we've been traumatized. And in any sense of trauma, in, in, in any type of trauma, you realize that you're going to have triggers. God will give you peace. God will help you guide through as a believer. He'll help you guide through, but trauma is trauma. Yeah. And when we, have to, we have to navigate those waters, unfortunately, but I, I still feel like that there is a peace to be had. There is a peace that passes our ability to understand. I believe that I've experienced that. And in that peace, we don't find necessarily relief. I don't think relief is always what God desires from us. I think that move and action to change things is more what he requires from us. And therefore, sometimes we have to experience what we experience. You, you talked about you talked about trauma. Um, and a lot of the trauma that we that we deal with as African-Americans, as black men, um, a lot of the times when we go through these things where there's police brutality, there's racism, there seems to n- people don't get held accountable for it. Right. Um, I think I saw something today. Um, I think it said that, uh, was it 98% of police shootings weren't prosecuted or something like, or something like that, which, which is a crazy, a crazy number to think about if, if I heard the numbers correctly. Um, or if they were prosecuted, they, they weren't convicted. You know what I mean? And so... Um, how the, the the question is um because we we've as of today recording this one all four officers involved have been um have been arrested and charged right 
what does justice look like? You know, we're not used to getting justice in these situations. So what does justice look like to you? Uh, Shoggy, I'm going to start with you. I mean, in this case, I got to say, these guys got to go to jail. I mean, you know, I still don't think justice has happened yet. I mean, second degree murder is not good enough. The definition of second degree is, you know, it wasn't intended. Something happened. You know, being charged with first degree, I mean, that was meditated. You know, so let's call the spade a spade. You know, what I'm saying you charge these officers with first degree murder. I mean, that's got to be an example because the reason why they can do it is because they're protected by the system. Right. Now, if I can go in and put my knee on somebody's neck and no one's going to hold me accountable, now what makes you think I'm not going to go out and do it again? And that's what's happening in society. So now, justice to me is these guys are going to jail for life. You know what I'm saying? Now, I understand I'm a Christian. You know, God forgives. But sometimes we got to deal with the consequences associated with our decisions that we make. That's going to further let another one person know, if I do choose to do something like that, there are consequences associated with my decision. So, um, you know, and again, justice to me is, you know, I mean, looking at George uh, Floyd's family, um, you know, not just compensation, but there's got to be something's got to come out of this with a conversation where people, America's got to understand that things have to change right. and the black man has to be respected as a human being and a God given right, you know? So not only should these police officers go to jail, but you know, we, it's things, it has to be reformed police. The whole system has to be changed to make sure that people of color are not seen as threat in this society. What about you, Ish? Good stuff, y'all. Things to say. Um, <laughs> um, one thing is reform. Um, if you want to, if you want to give us justice on a wide scale, reform. We we need stuff in place where where um, there are internal investigations that are that are that are um, ongoing. Some type of checks and balances for the police departments. They should not be an entity unto themselves. Um, there needs to be some sort of reform to um, how the, the police are policed because right now they aren't. They aren't. The FOP runs whatever. They do what they want to do. They do what they want to do, and um, that needs to be dealt with. On a lower level, when it comes to these, these police officers, I say let's go back over the last 100 years and look at cases that are similar to this where the black person was the perpetrator. And we're gonna we gonna do a sum total of what you did to all of those black people as a as a as a punishment for their crime, and that's what we're gonna do to them. And the reason why I say that is because the laws have never been balanced. Right. A white boy get picked up for a couple ounces of coke. He in a community that he grew up in. Judge know his pop has his father, his grandfather, they grew up together. Or he's just a kid making dumb decisions. I'm gonna give you a slap on the wrist. Go home and get your life together. Mm-hmm. A black boy get picked up with the same thing, and you hit him with a three to five. Yeah. You call him a menace. You tell him his life is headed nowhere. Mm-hmm. No. You want to start with some justice. Deal with them the same way you would deal with us. If it was me, with my knee on somebody's neck, with a with my knee on a white man's neck, how would you prosecute me? Give them that. That's how you start to make it right for me. Yeah. And as far as as far as you know, I know that some some Christians might see that and be like, "Well, where's the compassion? Where's the love?" Let me tell you something. 
I laid down with my, my daughter's mother and I had a baby out of wedlock. I, I sinned according to the scripture. God forgave me for that. But I still had to deal with the consequences of my sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I still had to deal with the years and years of the issues that were that followed me and her out of not having a child and being married, right? David slept with Bathsheba, tried to get her husband to come home and sleep with her so he could say that the husband got her pregnant when he got her pregnant. When that didn't work, then he had the, the man killed. Mm -hmm. The Lord rebuked him through the prophet. Forgave him. He repented. He repented. We have Psalms, Psalms to, to prove that. Purge me with his something. I've sinned against you. Wash me so that I'm white as snow. He repented, but he still had to deal with the consequences of his sin. That baby died. Yeah. That baby died. And so I feel like justice, justice needs to be paid. It needs to be served. It needs to be served. And that's the problem here. That's what we're writing for. Like, like people are, are making it about um, George Floyd. It's not about George Floyd. George Floyd was a tipping point. Mm -hmm. It's about years and years of injustice. It's about the names that you'll never hear. It's about the times that you, Aaron, was roughed up by the cops and you, Shoggy, got talked to disrespectful by the white woman. And it's the times that you was disrespected in front of your daughter made to look low. It's about all the culmination of that. This was a tipping point. Justice needs to be served. And, and I think that that's, that's the thing that's been missing and that's what needs to happen. These guys need to, they need to be dealt with on the same level, the same playing field as you would deal with any other minority. Yeah. Agree, agree, agree. So we, we talk about, um, so my last question to you guys, and I appreciate you guys again coming on. Where do we go from here? Um, you know, as twofold, as a people as a culture where do we go from here and um and as as fathers where do we go from here um and, I, and i'll start it off I, I i say as fathers we gotta continue to have these conversations we cannot let this moment is so big we can't let it pass by as just another thing that happened we need to set the bar uh going forward saying that this is this is the, this is the mantra for our house. This is the this is the bar right here. We can't go below this bar. This is who we are, and so we can't we cannot let the bar slack because justice was served, and now we will get turned up again for the next hashtag that comes around. We as parents, I feel we need to set the bar here, and, and as we set the bar here, then we can actually go ahead and lead our families as strong black men because um, unfortunately, it's not a lot of strong black men in the household. And, um, and as, again, we can go back to how that, you know, how that's been, how, how that's affected us, which is a whole nother show. Um, but I think we just need to really hold the line going forward when it comes to being parents in our household. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here just to facilitate. So y'all tell me, where do we go from here as a people and as, uh, as fathers? Sean, I'm going to start with you. Well, I think you kind of nailed it right, you know, um, so we got to have the conversation. Um, it's very important. Uh, we can be complacent. This this is too big to just oh well another black man is dead and life goes on. No, we got to talk about it. We got we got to address it. And, and and the way we address it is like you said, daily interaction with our family members. But it's got to go beyond our family members. Yeah. Even within the black community, I mean, you're gonna be shocked. We all think differently, and people think differently of this whole thing. 
You know what I'm saying? So we're all not going to come on the same page or wavelength, but what has to happen together collectively is the fact that we all fight with justice for black people. I mean, justice is for all. And I, you know, one thing I struggle with a lot of times is people say, well, why is only black lives? Why is it all about black lives matter? I'm like, all life matter. That statement is true. But when you feel as though your life doesn't matter, that's when you get to the position of saying, now, listen, black lives matter. And that's why people are saying that. So what we do from here again is we got to take the opportunity to want to have these conversations, even in our workplace, our work environments, the people we interact on a daily basis. They want to talk about everything else but what's currently going on because it's uncomfortable. But it's important that we all stay in that moment and address it. And one thing my boss ever told me, which I once told me, which I think was so pertinent, was the fact that I do not know what it feels like to be a black man in America. Um, and I said, well, that's good. I'm glad you know that. So all he can do at this point is listen and see what other people are experiencing. That's going to start the conversation. But for that to happen, we also got to be in a place to really educate these people. Because uh, frankly, not only sometimes is this racism, is sometimes it's just just so naive. You know, your privilege of not knowing what other people are dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, and these are the things I have to deal with sometimes when I go to work. Like, okay, well, how come most black people ain't like you? Get a regular job. I mean, but listen, you know, the fact that I'm, 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 I'm blessed and I'm in a position where, you know, I don't have to say, oh my goodness, where am I going to get my money to pay my mortgage or food? A lot of people don't live like me and I just can't be comfortable in what I'm sitting now and not address the issues. You follow what I'm saying? So we all got to use our platforms to really speak about this, to educate people about what's going on and why they have to be a part of this solution and not a problem. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's how I see it. We got to keep talking. We can't stop talking about it because if you're, if, if you're not talking about it, you're agreeing with what's going on. You might not think you're not, I mean, by not doing anything, you are agreeing with what's going on. So let's not be complicit. We got to go out there. We, this is our, but we got to fight it. We need other people to join the fight. It is our responsibility to educate them so they can be part of the solution as well. Awesome, bro. Yeah, it's on you, bro. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to agree completely with what y'all just stated, but I'm going to add something um, because there is an element that... Um, I've been intentionally leaving out in my public conversations as to not deflect from the problem. And that's us dealing with us. We have to address us, right? And so I'm not, I'm not going to come from the standpoint as most black people, well, if you're going to kill yourself, how you expect them to not kill yourself? I think that's, that's an oxymoron. I think that's, that's really, um, a, a, if I could say it this way, I think that's a dumb way to approach it because they were killing us when we wore suits. They were killing us when we had Black Wall Street. They were mm -hmm. killing us when we was um, farming their plantations. They, 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 how they respond to us has nothing to do with how we respond to us. It's about the hatred that they have in their heart for us completely. With that being said, us, our generation, those of us in our 30s and 40s and 50s, we're in a, a unique position because we weren't around or old enough if we were around to experience the riots of the 60s and to experience the movements of the 60s and 50s, the bus boycotts, the Malcolms and the Martins and all of those things. We weren't around to experience that. Most of us were born in the 70s 
if we were born in the 60s, we were too small to remember any of those things. Most of us were born in the 70s and the 80s. And um, what we know has been just the, 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 uh, the onslaught of oppression, but we don't know that struggle that they experienced. And we have kids in the generation under us who, who have no connection to that other than what they see now. And so I got a, I got a call the other day from someone, a random person um, reached out to me through somebody else who saw the video that I posted. And um, I saw the number on my phone, I didn't recognize the number, so I sent it to voicemail and I texted him. I was like, I don't recognize his number, who is this? And so he said his name and he said he needed to talk to me. So he called me right back. So I took the call and it turned out that it was somebody who used to march back in the day with, in, in the 60s during the civil rights era. And he saw the video and he said that the video moved him so much that he feels like he has to get back out there and be a part of what's going on. That he's been silent for 40 years and nothing has changed since he's marched with Martin. And he feels like he has to get back out there. And he said something to me he said that we have we my our generation have a responsibility to to keep pushing to keep speaking to keep trusting the voice inside and i want to annex something to that right not only do we have the responsibility to keep speaking like you say keep having the conversation but we have the responsibility to draw from those who come before us and to connect with those who come after us because the ones who come after us whether we want to admit it or not are the ones that's out there rioting. Those are the ones that's out there tearing up stuff. Yes, there's there's white people out there too. And please let's not forget that and let's not let the media trick right. us into thinking that it's just us, they're out there too. But for, the, for us, because we're addressing us, for our young ones that's out there doing it, they're doing it mostly because we're not connected with them. We grew up in an area, like I said, we grew up in an era where what our older ones experienced, we didn't. So our, our mission became to, to get married and have a family and have a nice home and to get good jobs. And we've by large done that, but we forgot to struggle. And now these things are surfacing and we're disconnected from a youth that's wild and they ready. They, they ready and it, we're disconnected from them. And so they're out there with no guidance, no leadership, no one to pull them in, no one to help them channel that energy. And that's where we come in. We got to get connected. We got to start educating our young people and we got to reconnect with our older people to draw the lessons, to get the wisdom. And the second thing that I want to add to that is we need economics. There's a, there's a book. Um, I'm about to pull up the author now. Now I don't want to miss, mess his name. Claude Anderson. He has a book called Power Powernomics, the um, the National Plan to Empower Black America. We need economics. We need to figure out what it looks like to start sewing into our own, building our own community, owning our own things, just developing our own banks, our own strategies, making sure that we have. And that's not racist. That's not to, to, to exclude people. That's to put us where we need to be. We, we're waiting for an opportunity from white America to give us our 40 acres and a mule. We don't need that. It would be great. It's old us. It certainly owed us, but we don't need that. We're the second highest when it comes to um, dollars spent in this country. Second only to Hispanics. Yeah. We have everything we need. We need a plan. And we need to be all on that same accord. Shaga, you mentioned it about being on the same accord doesn't necessarily mean we got to all believe and agree on the same things. But unity is never uniformity. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. be uniform. Right. We just have to have the same goal. 
And I think that that's the major thing for us is we need economic, an economic plan that makes sense and that works for all of us and not only works for all of us, but that we all get on one accord and are willing to do it. Yeah. Stop spending with them. Mm. Stop spending, stop, stop, stop buying their stuff. They get on, on interviews and tell you how they don't like you. You still buy their stuff. Right. You go, you know, no, no disrespect to our Asian um, community, but you go and you, you, you spend money in a Chinese restaurant all day long. When the last time they, they put some money into the school? When the last time they donated to a cause in your community? Right. They don't. They don't. And that's the reality of it. And you shouldn't expect them to because they take their money and they practice group economics. Right. Right. Yeah. So we got to do better in that. And, 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 I, and I believe that coupled with, with everything else, when we get to a place where that becomes a, a, a mainstay for us, we'll see a rapid change. Yeah. A rapid change. That's that's so crazy. My wife just told me a statistic um, and I, I, I could be misquoting her, but, I, but, um, she was telling me that every dollar, if every dollar, if you, uh, every dollar spent in the community, if you gave it to an Asian community, I think they, that dollar lasted, was it six days? 19. That $1 lasted 19 days in the Asian community and African American community. It lasted six hours. Hours. So we, we just, we, we get money. We don't know how to spend it. We spend it right away. We have no idea how to uh, take care of our money. We, we just kind of, you know, I, that, that fact blew me away that in the Asian community, $1 lasts that long in their hands. And, and ours is, is, is we get it in our hand and we're gone. We have no idea how to, how to keep our money, how to invest our money, how to invest in our own businesses, how to invest in our community. We, we just... We're so used to being behind Robin Peter to pay Paul that we really don't let our money work for ourselves. And so that's such a, yeah, yeah. If you go into Little China in, in New York, they got supermarkets, they got dry cleaners, they got corner everything. stores, they got yeah. schools, they got everything, right? This is why their money is able to circulate. I don't have to go to the Jews supermarket to buy food because my Asian brother right here got a market on the corner. I could go get my vegetables from him. I don't have to go spend money with, with the, the Middle Eastern brother if I want um, a, a $5 pizza from the Quickie Mart because we got our own Quickie Mart. Right. So the money stays within that community. We don't have that. We don't have that. You get your, you get your check, your house needs groceries, your clothes need dry cleaning, your kids need shoes. We don't own none of that stuff. We don't own none of that stuff. We don't, have, we don't own no supermarket. Right, right. And, 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 and when, when our community tries to start a, for, a farm, we don't support it. Right. Good point. Good, good point. We don't support yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the problem. We, we, we have to start, we have to change our mind. We have to renew our mind about these things and stop letting people tell us that it's racist and, and, and exclusive to think about us when everybody else thinks about them. Yep. Yeah. You know? That, it's, I, I got to add this to it. This, this is so true, and I'm glad you said that, you know. And even for me, my mindset, you know, in, in, in my mid-30s was I just want to be debt-free. Well, you know what? That's not good enough. We got to start owning stuff. Being right. debt-free don't mean you don't – I mean, wealth is all about, you know, having possessions. Right. You know, so the fact that my house is paid up don't mean that I, I, there's no investment. Where is the equity? Right. So we got to start owning stuff. We got to start investing. There's so many things out there. But again, 
you know, I guess we've been oppressed so many times and so long. Every time you start talking about investment, people are just like, I, I don't know about that. You know, I got my paycheck. I just want to pay my bills. I'm good. No, you got to take a chance. Right. You got to take a chance. Obviously, you got to apply wisdom to what you're doing, but we got to start owning some stuff, you know? And, you know, that's how you make your name, own your stuff, and then that's how you bring the wealth back into the household. Right. But if every time you get it, you don't give it to somebody else, they just trying to grow their community. That's what Jewish people do, too. Right. You talk about the Asians, the Jewish people do the same thing. Same thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get my bathroom done. You know, everybody I look at is all white people and the Asians. I'm like, no, we got to find a black man to do this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we got to reinvest in our communities. And unfortunately, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the mindset we got to have. And I'm glad you brought it up. You know, Thank you for saying that. that that's powerful. Yeah. Look, look, fellas, I, I appreciate y'all, man. I was trying not to keep y'all on too long, but I thank y'all so much for this healthy conversation, man. Um, this is this is needed. More dialogue like this is needed. I could we could go for hours just talking about what we need in the community, how we feel, and and, and how can we get better from this situation. But uh, I appreciate y'all taking the time out. Um, Shaw, any 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 last words? Anything like that? Any encouragement? Any encouraging words you want to leave with the people? Let's not say this, you know, there are a lot of people in different positions in this leadership positions that are not doing the right thing. Oftentimes we think all we got to do is make sure the president, the president ain't going to do much for us. Go back to your local communities. Look at who's, I mean, that's where the voting takes place. The people making decisions about your life, they're right next to you. So go out and vote, find out who your mayor is. I mean, every time we got to vote, don't wait every four years to vote. See what's going on in your community. Talk to everybody. That's what we got to do. Vote to put the people in place that have our interests. That's what we got to do. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes we just, and, and like it said, you know what? We have to start taking care of ourselves. That's what we need to do. That, I mean, conversation is going to happen about what can be done to get us in a better place. But you know what? For anything to happen, for anything to have any substance, we have to start taking care of ourselves first. Make sure you're educated. Make sure you understand how things work. Economics, you know what? How does money work? These are the things we got to start doing. Educating ourselves, our kids, you know, not just having bank accounts, not just having a regular job, nine to five, but being owners of stuff. Investment, buying buildings, houses, you know, renting stuff out. That's what we got to do. So I encourage everybody to stay prayerful. You know, it's unfortunate when these times, but be optimistic because all we got is hope. And then we got to go out there and do the job too. So I appreciate you, bro. It's yeah. good. I just want to add something that Shoggy said before I um, say um, New Jersey primaries is July 7th. There you go. Mm. <laughs> okay. So go vote. If you exactly. go vote, if you don't yep. know, ask. Humble yourself and ask. You don't know until you ask. Nobody can hold you accountable for that. You know what I'm saying? Or nobody can 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 prosecute you for that. You don't know ask, but our our primaries here in New Jersey is July 7th. Get involved. Get involved. That's 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 that. Um the other thing is, man, yo, we are a beautiful people. We are a resilient people. And I had to remind myself of that today to just kind of give myself some peace and be able to smile. Right. So I just want to say, say to y'all, remember who we are. Remember what we came through. Be proud of that. Be strong about that and smile about that. Take a minute to have some mental health breaks, some emotional health breaks. 
Don't sit on this all day. Don't take this all day. Don't deal with this. Don't take this in all day because it'll taint your soul. And that's not who we are as a people. We've never been that as a people. The stuff that we've, that's been done to us, if it was any other group, they'd probably be trying to burn the whole world down. <laughs> but that ain't who we are as a people. We've always been in love. We've always moved in love. So don't let nobody take that from you. We are a beautiful, proud people. Remember that. Take a break. Go get your head together. Put some water on your face. Dance with your wife. Wife, go hug your husband. Love on your kids. Remember who we are and keep trusting God. I know what it looked like. Trust me. I'm a, we all on this, this thing are believers, and we all admit that it's been hard to pray and trust in these times, but keep trusting God. He ain't forgot about us. He ain't forgot about us. I promise y'all he ain't forgot about us. And we're on the precipice of seeing something shift. There's been a shift. Just let it, just let it play out. But stay vigilant. But stay vigilant, but don't, in all of it, don't forget who we are. We are beautiful, chosen people, and the world is going to see. Amen, amen. My final words are, family, y'all know exactly what's before us. We've been doing a lot of things, protesting, and it's beautiful to see all colors and races and, 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 um, and religious backgrounds coming together to protest this injustice that's been happening. And uh, we appreciate the allies that are a part of this, uh, that are part of this fight. But I want to speak directly to the to the black community for a second. Um, this is our time to change the narrative on who people think that we are. This is our time to show our children exactly what being black is about. It's what Martin died for. It's what Malcolm died for. It's what Rosa Parks uh, uh, did not move her seat for. It's because we are equal people. Do not let anybody tell you that you are less than. God created you to be conquerors. God created you to be victorious. And so that, that promise doesn't stop just because you have a little more melanin in your skin. That means, that means we were built and made to be victorious. And so I want us to make sure that we go forward, walk in boldness, hold your ground, know exactly who you are, and don't let anybody tell you that you're less than. Because you're not. You're future doctors. You're the future lawyers. You're the game changer. You could be the next president of the United States. We already saw the example before us with Barack Obama. And so you have the opportunity to change the narrative of who black people are. When we're gone, the fight still continues. Unfortunately, people are going to see you as less than just because of the color of your skin. That doesn't mean you stop. You continue to push and push and push because your ancestors have fought for this and we are behind you. Your ancestors are behind you and they're pushing you to keep going forward. So don't give up. It's going to be weary times. Don't give up. It's going to be uh, hard times. Don't give up. That's my That's my, my only thing I'm going to say. Do not give up. To the future leaders of America who are seeing this, our children, our, that next generation of freedom fighters, keep hope alive. Keep pushing because there's greatness inside of you. Your kingdom citizens, you have promises that God has already given you. And those promises, again, don't stop because you got melanin in your skin. So keep going, y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we love you. And your big uncles are here if you need any guidance. So hit us up. Um, family, I appreciate y'all for joining us. Again, my name is AP. You guys know me. This is my brother Ish. Love you, bro. This is Shoggy. Love you, man. Um, and I appreciate them joining us on this episode of AP and Toya Podcast Special Edition. Um, and uh, thank y'all again for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you guys follow follow us on um, SoundCloud. You can find the podcast 
on Apple Apple Podcasts. You can find on Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get podcasts, you will find AP Toy Podcast. So if you're listening for the first time, so thank you again for joining us, fellas, and uh, we will see you guys on another episode. All right, my wife is up next with her episode. Love y'all. Peace and love. Stay strong. Keep loving. And uh, this too shall pass. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Peace. Alcoholic veins, over analytical brain, a product of the shame, and running from a past that's checking like the game. Somewhere along the way, somebody snatched my peace and main. Maybe that's the reason I spent decades seeking fame and fortune.